for future economic trends. This is BizTalk. Madam Vice President, thank you so much for joining us on CGTN. Thank you very much for inviting me. So let's start with your assessment of Chinese economy. It has recovered from the disruptions of the COVID pandemic and is expected to pick up again. What is your outlook on economic growth momentum in the year, this year and beyond? Thank you very much. So, so China is making a strong recovery and we really see that in 2023, uh, we could have a recovery with growth hovering around 5%. Uh, that is a, a very robust uh, performance. Uh, that is really driven by consumption. Mm. Uh, over time, we expect the Chinese economy to move more towards consumption. Uh, but we also see that services are uh, reviving. In a way, all those sectors that are related to contact-intensive activities, uh, like services, were very depressed by the pandemic. Uh, but this is a very positive uh, development. Now, the world economy itself is not in as great a shape. Uh, you have less support from the world economy and therefore lower demand for the yes. products that China produces. Uh, but the domestic economy is compensating a little bit for that. Uh, and as a result, uh, we see a recovery, which is good for China and good for everyone. Mm. And China just wrap up the uh, policy setting two sessions. What topics do you pay the most attention to? Uh, we pay a lot of attention to the direction of Chinese uh, economic policy. Uh, we, of course, we already started talking about uh, the consumption side of the economy. Uh, we're also paying a lot of attention to the modernization of the economy, um, the reduction in inequalities, uh, but also the ability of this economy to grow in a sustainable manner, both from the economic perspective, but also from the perspective of balance with the environment, with climate. Yes. And that is something that most countries in the world are now prioritizing and that for China can actually be um, a source of future growth and of future jobs. As you mentioned, China is pursuing modernization of the country and the country is emphasizing on openness and inclusiveness to drive its future growth. What is your take on China's approach? Those are very important uh, uh, goals. Uh, in a way, China is, is uh, moving from decades of strong growth, which were able to bring uh, millions and millions of uh, Chinese out of poverty, but it's now focusing on high quality growth. Uh, and that means that that growth will be more sustainable. Uh, it, it also means that it's trying to balance uh, inequalities that exist in every economy in the world, uh, but that in China reflect um, a little bit of a different performance between, say, coastal areas and more interior areas, between rural and urban, uh, but also trying to balance um, this greening of the economy, which will take decades. It's a very difficult uh, transition because for all countries, really, not just for China, but they require really a, sh a transformation of the whole economy. Mm -hmm. And so this modernization uh, has many facets as, as, as well explained in all the documents uh, that came out from the party meeting uh, and, and really require a concerted effort uh, 
both at the national level and at the local levels yes. uh, to move in that direction of higher quality growth. Indeed. And we have to admit that China is facing some challenges of its economy as it enters a crucial stage to transform into a higher income country. It now faces challenges such as slower growth and an aging society. And policymakers say that China needs to rebalance the economy towards domestic consumption and productivity growth. In your opinion, what should be the future drivers of China's economy? Uh, you mentioned already productivity growth. We think that's going to be extremely important. China's in its first phases of, of, uh, of development really uh, invested in um, a growth that was driven by public and private investments. Uh, and that was the right thing to do at the time. But what we see over time is that the returns on the investment start declining over time. And productivity, in fact, has been declining over the past decade. Uh, what that means is that there's a need to move to a different uh, pace of reforms that help the economy get more out of each unit of investment. That's what productivity is at the end of the day. Uh, and so those reforms in that direction will make a huge uh, difference. And that requires real structural reforms that go at the incentives that the economy works with, uh, but it also requires investing in uh, policy frameworks that encourage both public and private sectors to go into greener activities. Those will be activities that use the natural resource base less intensively. So when we think about uh, China's carbon intensity, meaning the units of emissions, carbon emissions that are produced out of each unit of output, it is pretty high. So that has to be brought down at the same time that the country uh, develops. And there are already policies in that direction. Uh, and uh, China actually made very ambitious commitments as part of their um, uh, agreements on climate uh, to peak carbon emissions by 2030 and achieve carbon neutrality by 2060. Uh, this requires action already today to start driving that transformation. But all of these can be transformations that generate growth, generate jobs, and really modernize the economy towards a higher income uh, status. Mm. Indeed, China is very much committed to its dual carbon goals. In your opinion, uh, what key reforms are needed to ensure that these uh, the goals to reach carbon neutral by 2060 being achieved? They're really actions at all levels of the economy and society, I would say. Uh, let's start with the energy sector. So switching uh, energy sources from fossil fuels that are more carbon intensive to more renewables, and China has really good technology already on the renewable side, uh, will make a huge difference. This is an economy that still uses over 50% uh, of coal to produce electricity. But there are other sectors as well, public transport, um, uh, agriculture and land use. Uh, the way cities are managed uh, yeah. can also be more or less carbon intensive. And all of those require also a change in how the private sector produces the goods that it produces and the service it produces. There are ways of bringing that carbon intensity down but at the same time, like in the renewable sector, China can also turn that into a comparative advantage. 
where it produces technology, produces goods that can help itself, but also help others make that energy transition and that green transition. And rural work is also one of the high priorities for the Chinese government, and China has stressed that we should not let the farmers falling back into poverty again. Uh, in your opinion, what can be done to ensure that? I think I would relate that to, uh, uh, to the previous points I talked about. In a way, rural poverty too declined in China, and there were tremendous gains that were made uh, in, in reducing uh, poverty through uh, better technologies, better practices, and really overall uh, development and provision of public services in rural areas, and that brought uh, many of the poor in rural areas up. One of the things that is going to be needed is to manage better the use of natural resources in rural areas. There are areas where we see some depletion in natural resources, productivity of the soil, uh, also uh, management of water, now, some of them uh, will want to move, so there's um, still a need to manage migration. This is a, so a society that is aging, uh, and so migration uh, between different parts of the country, uh, and even internal and external, is going to be necessary. And so ensuring that for migrants, uh, they, are, um, they have access to public services would, would help, would help even out uh, and have some convergence between the growth and poverty reduction in rural areas versus urban uh, centers that are driving uh, much of the growth and poverty reduction in China. I'd like to uh, talk a bit about the Common Prosperity Goal, which is uh, one of the important goals for China. In China, income inequality has declined but remains a concern. Could you share with us some experiences about how to make the economic growth more inclusive? There's uh, quite good experience uh, around the world, really, about um, how to reduce inequality. Some of the best experience actually comes from Europe, and it is a mix of uh, policies. Uh, fiscal policy has a big role to play, uh, both by providing um, similar opportunities to people uh, to get a good education, high-quality education, regardless of where they are born. Uh, and so having both a taxation system that is progressive, meaning it taxes more the wealthy and less the poor, uh, but also uh, having a property tax that help also contributes to a more progressive taxation system. And on the expenditure side, having a set of expenditures that tries to um, contribute to equality of opportunities regardless of where you're born, born where you're born is luck in a way, but also some redistribution of benefits, social security for example, or support for more vulnerable families to be able to, uh, to maintain a, a, a good living. As part also of this greening of the, uh, uh, of the economy, and so planning on that from the start and ensuring that fiscal policy is helping uh, sustain uh, those uh, uh, transfers of resources uh, and, and labor across sectors. And, and at the end of the day, um, if we have an economy that is more consumption-based, because let's think in the future, these export demand uh, that China um, uh, used to, to, to grow so rapidly, that is going to slow down, at least in the short run. So 
that consumption side and the redistribution side all can work in the direction of both supporting a service sector that is creating jobs, but also contribute to reducing inequalities between different parts of the country and different families. The one concern about um, common prosperity in China is it may discourage investment and entrepreneurship. In your opinion, how to maintain a very vibrant uh, investment and uh, private sector while achieving these goals towards equity? The private sector is going to play a critical role in sustaining growth. There are very few countries that were able to sustain over the long run uh, a strong growth performance which then lifts people out of, of poverty and sustains them out of poverty without a private sector that has confidence in the future of the country and in policy directions. Um, what I heard in the last uh, speeches from the government was a sense of policy continuity, continued opening up, uh, and a relative uh, adjustment here and there on inequality, modernization, stability and environment and climate, which are going to be very critical. If those statements are then backed up by specific policy reforms that give the private sector that confidence, uh, then we would be confident the private sector would, would stay and would, uh, would expand. Mm, right. And we know World Bank is working closely uh, with China to uh, achieve uh, some of China's key priorities. Uh, help us understand what is World Bank planning in China this year and beyond towards sustainable recovery of the economy. So the World Bank and China have a very long-standing uh, and strong uh, partnership which um, has evolved and really into a two-way partnership. Uh, we provide analytical advice on specific reform, specific areas, but we also provide policy advice uh, on specific uh, uh, issues that the government may, may request. Uh, at the same time, we also still provide financing uh, for um, China's activities and implementation of, of key objectives that are shared both by China and by the World Bank. Uh, a lot of our work um, this year, next year, is focused on development problems. Um, and we talked about rural development. That is a, a set of projects that we're working on, but in the, doing it in a sustainable way. Uh, so that provides both benefits for China, but benefits for the world. And then the last uh, uh, point I would say, and that's um, uh, something we benefit from the experience in China, is that um, China's development experience is some of the best in the world. Uh, and many developing countries aspire to learn from uh, what China has achieved in many areas. So uh, we too learn from China's experience. We convey that experience to other uh, developing countries. And then China makes also a contribution to a fund called the International Development Agency, which is our fund to provide um, concessional cheap financing or grants to the poorest countries. Many years ago, China was a beneficiary of that fund when it was poorer. Uh, and now China has become the sixth largest contributor to that fund. Uh, and therefore, that's also a way in which China is benefiting uh, the world and also, um, I guess, paying back 
for what it has received uh, many years ago. So really a two-way partnership that is robust, that is strong, and that is rooted on decades of, of collaboration. Mm -hmm. What is your observation of China's ongoing financial reforms? Do you think it is effectively supporting China's transition and rebalancing towards some of its key goals? Mm. I think that China is moving towards this more consumption-based uh, economy that still exports, still has a, a big role in the uh, world's value chains but balances more the, ex the external demand with the domestic demand. Uh, and that has started, that rebalancing has started. Uh, uh, at the same time, uh, of course, China, like other countries, are balancing a, re re a recovery objective of getting growth back after uh, the years of pandemic, which were difficult for everybody, uh, and therefore managing these longer-term objectives with the short-term objectives of recovery uh, are going to be critical. But I think that some of the reforms that China can launch now really will set foundations for the future. China is a country I learned always thinks very long term uh, and this is time to also think long term beyond the short term recovery and, uh, and I'm very confident that it will do so. I heard that uh, one of the experts that China's uh, unique feature of its growth is the combination of pragmatism and vision. I think both are very important for China. And uh, I'd like to ask you one more question about China's role in regional and world economy. What a contribution would you like China to play uh, to the East Asia and Pacific or the, the, the world economy as a whole? Mm. Well, China has been a major source of uh, exports for the world, especially manufacturing. Uh, it is also, um, because of its scale, uh, it has a role in generating global demand. And uh, until now it has really contributed, especially on the export side. With this rebalancing towards consumption, it can perhaps play a bigger role on the demand side as well. Uh, and in this region, East Asian Pacific, for which I'm responsible, uh, it is the main trading partner for many of these countries. Geography matters. Uh, and, and these value chains are very integrated uh, with each other. Uh, so we can expect that, uh, that uh, recovery of the Chinese economy uh, to also produce greater demand for neighboring countries. Uh, and at the same time, uh, many of them will uh, tell me and they have told me that they expect to see more Chinese tourists coming their way. Uh, that also makes a contribution in the region given the scale of your country. Uh, and then, then finally over time, again given your scale, um, how China evolves towards this greener uh, economy um, with uh, lower carbon intensity, uh, that will have an impact on the world and on climate. Uh, I think uh, the major carbon emitters in the world uh, all have a big role to play in helping to manage uh, climate change and reduce it. Uh, and China, of course, with this level of growth and performance and emissions, also has a, a role to play. You know, China has committed to opening up further to the world economy. Uh, it has been underpinning China's economic success in the past several decades. The uh, globalization, uh, free trade, but it seems uh, China is now facing some headwinds on that front. Uh, 
Are you, are you confident that China can sustain its economic growth in the future given the more complex global environment? It absolutely is a more difficult environment for a variety of reasons. Uh, I mentioned that the global economy is, is not as robust and not as strong. So the global economy is not as robust. At the same time, the geopolitics have become more complex. Uh, and that too plays a role in how uh, trading partners relate with each other, how open markets are, uh, and that also means that adds an additional element of complexity to the external environment. In that sense, uh, China's policies to rebalance towards consumption, uh, to enhance the uh, competitiveness of their uh, industries, of the service sector, um, are all things that will help its resilience, will help its competitiveness, uh, and will help sustain the direction of modernization and prosperity that it set out for itself. And meanwhile, China is also more actively involved in the uh, world economy by increasing investment. Uh, China is a key player uh, of the uh, Belt and Road Initiative. And China also stressed on the uh, shared prosperity with other countries. Do you welcome China's uh, more engaging role in the regional and world economy? I think developing countries need financing from a variety of places. Uh, so in that sense, uh, everyone who contributes, public and private, who contributes uh, financing and investment to developing countries that is in their interest, uh, we support, of course. Now, uh, I think there's one uh, issue that is important is that many developing countries, because of a variety of reasons, but including also the fact that they too were affected by the pandemic, yes. uh, are struggling with high levels of debt and all of us have a responsibility to, to address that. But in terms of contribution to developing countries, as I mentioned, China makes a strong contribution to the International Development Association, which provides concessional credits and grants mm -hmm. to poor countries. All of those contributions from China uh, make, make an impact on, on developing countries and help these countries um, make perhaps the same path that China made uh, in uh, succeeding in getting to this level of development. Not to say everything is resolved, but you're, you're well on your way. So the uh, Asian and Pacific economies face some headwinds in recent years due to uh, tightening financial conditions as the Fed raises rates to tackle the, uh, the inflation which is running at a very high level. What is your suggestions for uh, these economies, especially emerging economies? to uh, recover from these disruptions? I think the pandemic, uh, let's go back to the pandemic because it's at the root of many of, yeah. these, uh, of these pressures, really generated um, supply disruptions and we saw them here in the region. Uh, although the region as a, as a whole actually gained market share during the pandemic in terms of exports. Uh, but with all the support that went into households and businesses during the pandemic, uh, came quite a little sti stimulus to the economy. There were commodity markets that were very severely disrupted. Grains in particular, but also oil and others. And that has added uh, additional pressures to inflation. And so what we've seen in the past um, year and a half, two years, is really inflationary pressures with core inflation 
increasing of a, in a large number of economies. It started in the US and in Europe, but it has spread. And in many countries in this region, not China, but in many countries in this region, we now see inflationary pressures uh, uh, quite strong. In China, you have more policy space because your inflation has stayed low and your fiscal policy still has a bit of, of space. You have some pressures on the financial sector due to real estate, uh, but uh, at the end of the day, and quite a bit of indebtedness on the real estate developer side, but overall you have some policy space uh, to manage. This pandemic um, threw all policymakers into a territory they were not used to. Uh, and so many of these policies are being tested uh, and effects seen uh, with a lag. Uh, and we're starting to see in some countries a reduction in core inflation. In others, it's a bit more stubborn. Uh, we also don't know how the Ukraine situation will resolve itself. Uh, and so if it lasts long, it will add instability if it is resolved in a satisfactory manner, then it can bring uh, these tensions uh, down and help contribute to price stability and therefore less tightening needed. Uh, but that's, uh, that's something that I would say uh, China so far has been spared that, uh, that inflationary pressure. So you have a bit more space. What advantages do you think China should build out in the future? I think everything that has to do with, with an innovation economy, and you see it already in some aspects of renewable uh, energy, uh, and you could see it in others. Uh, there's quite a few areas in which this engineering uh, uh, intensive, uh, knowledge intensive economy uh, can benefit from, and that is a source of future growth. Uh, that can also help China achieve its climate objectives and statements and can also even be produced out of more uh, in interior areas of the country, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to be next to a port necessarily if you export software, right? Uh, you can be anywhere. So that, that, that sort of direction uh, allows the country to put together several objectives. The common prosperity, the inequality reduction, um, the sophistication and going up the value chain in terms of value added, uh, but also a more innovation driven economy, right? Uh, and uh, with this rebalancing of doing less of hard investment, uh, infrastructure investment, which has sort of runs its course and more into this uh, direction that can help you also boost productivity of the economy, economy-wide, right? So it has cross-cutting effects uh, as well and could help maintain your competitiveness in the future, now switching into these higher value-added activities. Madam Vice President, thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure.